When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Question of the Week from the Naked Scientists. Hello and welcome to Question of the Week from the Naked Scientists with me, Diana O'Carroll. This week, how many candles should be on the cake? My name is Mike Mohali. I'm calling from uh, Pretoria. We have a great-grandmother. We are not sure exactly how old is she. And uh, according to the Home Affairs, they're saying she was born in 1902. So we strongly believe that uh, it's not the accurate age for our great-grandmother. So she needs us to help find someone who can establish exactly in which way she was born. If someone's birth certificate is absent, how can they work out their age? My name is Kirsty Spalding and I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Cell and Molecular Biology at the Karolinska Institute, which is located in Stockholm in Sweden. So there's a couple of ways you could do this, both involving a newly developed strategy, which is radiocarbon dating. And essentially, because of the Cold War, there was a whole lot of above-ground nuclear bomb testing And during this uh, procedure, there was a lot of detonations which caused neutron emissions into the atmosphere. And essentially, to make a long story short, this ultimately resulted in increased levels of carbon-14 in our atmosphere. And this actually occurred for some years during the period of the Cold War. Then they put this uh, test ban treaty out, banning all above-ground nuclear bomb testing. And then the C-14 levels in the atmosphere changed in a very predictable way with time so that for any given time point the proportion of C14 to C12 represents a particular year in time. So one way we've developed to use this strategy to look at cell turnover in the human body is to look at the DNA of cells and by determining the proportion of the radioactive carbon-14 to the stable isotope carbon-12 we're able to say when this cell was born. And we've been applying this to different parts of the human brain and body and actually found that there are select regions of neurons, that's the nerve cells of the brain, that are as old as we are. And so by taking some brain cells from this region of the brain, cortex, cerebellum, for example, we're able to take out the DNA from these cells, carbon date them, and they will tell us the year of birth of the individual. But what if you don't particularly want to take a sample from a living person's brain? Another way that I've developed with colleagues, and this actually uses the C14 to C12 ratio in tooth enamel. So in this methodology, you can take teeth from an individual, so in this case from your 100-year-old granny, and depending on which tooth it is, you determine how old the enamel is, and each tooth lays down the enamel at a different different time point which we've decoded in a way so we know how long for each tooth it takes for them to make enamel we can figure out then from this information the carbon dating of the enamel when the person's born and we can combine this with other methodologies to then find out when they died and how old they were when they died 
So this is the, without a doubt, the most precise way to determine the age of an individual. Yes, you can carbon date the DNA in certain neurons in the brain, or you can take a sample from your teeth. Amazingly, it is possible to carbon date living people so long as they lived through or just after the Cold War testing period. And on the forum, we had some alternative recommendations, which included asking your mum if she's still around, asking your mummy if they're Egyptian, and asking the person in question what they remember. And next week, we have another active radio question requiring an answer. Hi, Naked Scientists. My name is Jeff. I teach at the University of Pittsburgh in the United States, and I'm a big fan of the program, as is my daughter, Sam. I thought of this while listening to the Naked Scientists in my car. We've all heard the way in which sounds change frequency as an ambulance passes us with its siren going. What I wonder is whether a conventional radio broadcast experiences Doppler shift when we're driving toward or away from the transmitter. Does the pitch or more likely the tempo of a pop song go up if I'm driving toward the transmitter, even if I can't perceive it? I figured that the Doppler effect wouldn't affect digital broadcast, but I'd like to know about that as well. Thank you. Are radio signals affected by the Doppler shift? Let us know your thoughts by emailing us with the address chris at thenakedscientists.com or write it on our forum to share your answers. We'll pick out the best one. You can find it online at thenakedscientists.com forward slash forum. Question of the Week is part of the Naked Scientists podcast and supported by the EPSRC, the Wellcome Trust and UK Fast. Look us up online at nakedscientists.com. Thinking about your next career move in research and development? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that's investing £20 billion in R&D over the next two years. The nation that's home to four of the world's top research universities. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.